I'm Bryce Futch. And I'm Tony Melton. And this is The Way Forward. Welcome to episode four. This is an overview episode of China. This will be a short one, but an important one. Before we discuss some of the finer tuned issues of and, and greater nuance, it's important that everyone that's listening has an accurate view of the big pieces of understanding China, how we relate to them, and the issues that affect our world. So for this episode, I'm going to interview Bryce, who is our resident expert on the subject, <laughs> and uh, get him to give kind of a summary answer of some of these big topics and then uh, if, for this episode in particular if you guys have questions this would be a great one uh, for, for you to, to submit those through the website or through the Facebook or the podcast and we can respond to those and give you a little bit more accurate view of China um, so first question Bryce, tell us about the government of China. <laughs> First, I have to walk back your comments because I'm the resident <laughs> expert. I may be the expert in the room, but I am by no means an uh, expert on China. I agree with former Chinese ambassador John Hutzman, who said that there are no Chinese experts. Uh, there are only Chinese enthusiasts or specialists. I am trying to, to, to become more of a Chinese specialist because of everything that they do and, and, and just the incredible role that China plays in the world. So the type of government that China has, they are regarded as a one-party communist dictator. Uh, and you're considered that because the Communist Party is the, the only party in power. Uh, it's the only party in China. And it's, I mean, that strictly in the political sense, because communists, as we all know, do not have parties. That was a joke. That was a political joke. <laughs> but uh, yes, no, they are a one-party uh, dictatorship. Their current president is Xi Jinping, and President Xi is getting ready to start an unprecedented third term. Uh, so far, I believe he is the fifth president that China has had. Uh, they've all held to a two-term standard. But many people think that President Xi is following in the footsteps of Mao and really trying to bring China back to prominence throughout the world. Uh, and many people expect him to hold on to power for, for the foreseeable future. What are some other governments, just for the, to give some context for our listeners, what are some other governments that have had similar governmental structures as China does now? See if this can help us understand a little bit more about maybe what what's their philosophy. Sure. So the best example would be the, the USSR, the Soviets. Um, they were similarly ruled as if they had, they went through different phases. At one point they had a troika, so there was like three people that were running the show. But they're, they're the most similar Aligned, which I think is interesting because the the Russians and the Chinese uh, do not get along well. They have historically had a, a large number of conflicts between the two of them, and there is a lot of tension between those two communist countries. And the uh, kind of a kind of what you have going on is you have Hong Kong, which was originally a Chinese territory. The the Brits ended up leasing it for 99 years. Their lease ran out in 97. But a part of the agreement in returning Hong Kong to China was that uh, the Chinese would not affect day to day life of the of the people who live in Hong. Kong for 50 years. So they were supposed to have 50 years of self-rule, doing what they wanted. But the Communist Party pretty much immediately started to try and, and have influence over the, the government of Hong Kong. Uh, there was a number of different laws that were passed that people in Hong Kong ended up protesting and getting overturned, but they were very pro-communist regime. And then just recently, uh, last year, was was really when, when China took over formally in Hong Kong and it started to impose their rule there. Uh, there is a difference between the Communist Party of China, which is abbreviated the CCRP, is the people's Republic of China, which is what we all know is, is China today. Taiwan is the Republic of China. Taiwan came about through a civil war between Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong uh, in 1949. The Republic of China left the Chinese mainland and moved to Taiwan, and that is where they have been ever since. So the people that are in the Republic of China, Taiwan, believe that they are the real China. Uh, 
because uh, they were there before. Mal was the revolutionary that, that came up and challenged their authority. Uh, we actually fought on the side of the Republic of China during the, the Second World War. Uh, Flying Tigers, famous John Wayne movie. Uh, we had people that would they would they would fight the Japanese because Japan invaded China first, uh, and so we had we had people there work with China, and then we supported the Chinese after the fact. Uh, but then Mao took over, ousted the Republic of China to Taiwan. The People's Republic of China was established at that point in time in 1949, and has has basically been a, a one man show ever since. So you know we're going to talk a lot about Hong Kong and Taiwan specifically in later episodes, and so uh, it's important for our listeners to understand kind of the dynamics for how those two countries relate to China. Uh, Would it be fair to say that they are not ethnically uh, distinct? All three of those have people that are Chinese, or are they all all the same ethnicity? And historically, would you even say that they were the same nationality until Mao came along? They were. So there was a a period of time called the Warring States period, where basically there was a large number of civil wars that were happening within China. Uh, You had different local warlords that were fighting each other, but it would be very similar to... To, um, everybody being Anglo-Saxon, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're all ethnically Chinese. They have a very similar shared culture, uh, shared history until Mao came about around the turn of the century, and then or Mao came. I guess really that communism started in China fairly quickly. Mao was born in the early 20th century, early 1900s, and then in in 49 when the Communist Party took over is really when we start to see a divergence in culture. Uh, and so the culture of of the Republic of China is very democratic, very pro-Western. Taiwan. Taiwan. Yep, and Taiwan has had formalized relationship with the United States since 1949, where the People's Republic of China, which is China, has not. The word difference being People's Republic versus correct. just the Republic. Correct. Yep. Think communism, people, that's what they, that's, okay. it's always the people's whatever. The, okay. uh, and so the People's Republic of China, the communist Chinese, uh, actually helped the North Koreans during the Korean War. Uh, MacArthur was, was pushing the North Koreans almost all the way out of the peninsula, where Mao raised an army of volunteers, was what they were called. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in reality, they were regular army soldiers, people that volunteered for the army. And they, they came in in mass and drove the United States almost completely off the peninsula Which in the south. Korea is split into. Correct. Yep. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that the uh, th- that China does not have parties. But in a sense, given that uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan are ethnically yes. homogenous with China, the only real difference between them is their political perspective. Correct. And their political identity for their own geography. So, they do have China in the general sense does have political parties, except that they've actually particularized right. those parties into political structures, i.e. nations. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. So that gives some, that, I think that's a helpful context in understanding what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And you just, I, I know we're going to talk about this in the future, but just give us a general overview of kind of what's happening now with China, mm-hmm. Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Right. So China formally took over Hong Kong in 1997, technically. They were, Hong Kong was a, was a part of China. Two years before they were allowed to. Sorry, no, 97 was when the British handed them over. Then, okay. they, but then almost immediately they started making changes. So the 50-year time clock started in... Is, is just, sorry, yes. 50-year time clock started in 97. So they were supposed to have 50 years from 1997 like really to do their own thing. Right? <laughs> I, I agree. You can't do this unless it's 50 Right? Years. And I don't know, I, I need to look more in the context of why they decided on the, okay. on the 50 year timeline I don't know that but that's what they decided and then okay. last year this past year actually it, it wasn't last year it was this year 21 that China formally came in 
in and said, "We're we are the I'm the captain now," and and took over everything. So Hong Kong still has their own government, their their own legislative branch, all that kind of stuff. But they are firmly under the control of the Chinese puppets. Yes, and and the China is, is continuing to grow their influence there every single day. Taiwan, uh, China has always claimed that Taiwan is a part of China and should be a part of China. Taiwan has said the exact opposite and said, "We we want nothing to do with you. Uh, if anything, you're a part of us, and you you're the aberration, not you're us." The Surfers. Right. right. And so because of that, uh, China has, has made several different plays for Taiwan uh, throughout history. They None of them have escalated to any kind of serious conflict uh, so far, but there there was some shelling of the, of some islands around the Taiwan mainland, because Taiwan is an island, and then there's some, some smaller it's, there's some smaller islands around it. Um, but, when we hear about disputed waters... Mm-hmm. South this, China Sea. South China Sea. Is this with regards to uh, Taiwan? Yes, okay. it is. So when we hear... Because I've heard about that... I'm not particularly right. informed about these these uh, these issues or these these conflicts, but I heard a lot about the the South China Sea, the right. waters, them invading certain areas. This is their attempt to reincorporate. Right. The uh, the Republicans. Yes, <laughs> that, that that would be an accurate statement. Okay. Yes, and so a lot of people are concerned that yes, a lot of people are concerned that China will make a stronger military play for Taiwan within the next five years. Uh, the U.S. While we do not have any formalized, if they if China attacks Taiwan, we will nuke China. Uh, so there's different types of relationships in foreign policy. So NATO falls under the the nuclear umbrella of the United States. So if if a NATO country is attacked by Russia or another country, another uh, another country, either uh, with enough conventional forces to justify nuclear action or with a nuclear attack, the United States will provide a nuclear response. We do not have that same agreement with Taiwan. However, we do provide Taiwan with large amounts of defensive munitions, training, all of that type of stuff. We're basically trying to equip Taiwan like we tried to equip the South Vietnamese at the end of the Vietnam War. However, because we're on the front end and not the back end of it, many people believe that this will be a winning strategy in Taiwan. In one of our episodes, we, we, we talk about how you can't really assess a thing unless you know what it's for right. or where it's going. So let's do that with China. Um, where is China going? What what are the things as a country that they desire? What are they? What's their strategic plan? What's their vision mm-hmm. as a country? Um, and how does that impact some of the initiatives that they're taking around the world or even more locally? Sure. So China is what we was what's called a, a hegemon. So a hegemon is a regional superpower. So they're not necessarily the the baddest kid on the world block, but they are the baddest kid in their regional block. China wants to take that hegemonic nature and move it into an actual superpower. So they they are primarily looking for ways to overcome the United States via economics. They're, they're looking to create more GDP, which then gives them more money to spend on foreign aid and etc which then helps them grow their, their world influence. Uh, China so far has shown a, a serious interest in making those economic ties, making it really hard to cut ties business-wise with them. They're investing in, in countries that don't have any money, that the United States is not willing to invest in, uh, building those regional relationships. They call that their Belt and Road Initiative or the New Silk Road. A lot of countries in Africa are a part of that program. There's some some countries in, in Asia as well. China has overtly said that they are on this 100-year plan. Michael Pillsbury writes about this in his book, The 100 Year Marathon, which I highly recommend. And basically, at the end of that 100 years, they will be the, the superpower. And at that point in time, it's it's only a matter of degrees as to how much of a Chinese control they will exert on the rest of the world. Their their surveillance state is second to none. Um, a lot of people think that Huawei's expansion into 5G is supposed to help pave the way for that control in these uh, other Western countries. 
even even if they may not be aware of the control that they're starting to exert. China wants to be the world leader. She talks about this in his speeches. He talks about this in his writings. They are on a long-term trajectory to be the, the greatest country in the history of the world. That's an important thing to know about a country. I mean, at one time, Britain, it was part of their uh, DNA, their right. vision for being a country, that they were going to exert control right. on the rest of the world. You know, they started a lot of colonies. Sure. You know, America has had this this kind of outreaching uh, mentality. Yep. Then, then there's countries like Canada. Right. Like Canada is very content sure. to be Canada. Right. They're not like a super um, Unless you're ambitious. in Quebec and then right. you don't want to be Canada, you, right. you don't be anything but French. Yeah, yeah but it's like, Understanding a country as, as ambitious, right? Even before you make a value statement on it, right? Uh, or, or is it a good ambition or a bad ambition, or what did they represent? Sure, we can certainly say that China is very ambitious. Yes, we can. They would like to be numero uno, right? And that helps us, like, like you said, it helps us understand what their reasoning is for right. when they make decisions. It helps us be able to cut them off diplomatically before things happen. Yeah, it, it does not make a philanthropy. Correct. Yeah. No, it is not. Okay. Not even close. Great. This is a great overview. Um, those, I think that's really going to set up people to have an accurate understanding just how they're accomplishing certain goals that they have and how those goals fit into their overall plan, who they are, what does this have to do with their government, Taiwan, Hong Kong. So thanks for walking us through that. You bet. Thanks for that. I'm Bryce Futch. And I'm Tony Melton. And you've been listening to The Way Forward.